Well, how we doing? All right, y'all. Let's close our eyes and think of our favorite dish, okay? You thinking of it? Yes, that one. The one that makes you smile and get all fuzzy inside and you're still gonna eat it even though you're full, okay? As we head into the holiday season, we're gonna end this season of Go Off Sis with a little talk about our favorite recipes, okay? Yes, I'm talking about the honey-baked ham, the collard greens with the turkey bone, all the things we love, but also the community recipes that have nourished us our whole lives, okay? What are those things that we have or even have lost that bring us the same joy as those black eyed peas on New Year's Eve? And when we talk about the essential ingredients we need to nourish ourselves and our community, what do we think of? What are some things that maybe aren't nourishing us these days? What are some things that we need to remember and eat more of? So today, in honor of that holiday season, we're going to get into that here on the roundtable. And then after that, we're going to have a very special conversation with the deacon of joy herself, who always fills us up with love, Miss Tabitha Brown. But first, because it's always food first, let's get into the conversation. I am Chelsea Sanders, your VP here at Unbothered, and I'm joined by my illustrious Go Off Sis team, Anae, Kathleen, and Steph today. So we're going to stay on topic and on theme today. We've been doing unpopular opinions all season, so let's get out into it. Unpopular opinion time. What is something that you're going to order or make for yourself, okay, meal planning prep, every single time? No matter what, you're going to get it, okay? I'll go last because y'all have heard my voice more than enough. Kathleen, what are you (laughs) ordering or making? (laughs) Hi, Chels. Hi, everyone. It's Kathleen, Deputy Director Global here at Unbothered, coming at you from the T.O. Does anybody know that song? Cardinal, Fischel. Anyway, all right. Hi. I'm just trying to wake myself up over here. My unpopular food opinion is... You know what? I'm going to start with the things I love. I love a rack of ribs. If I'm feeling down and I just need some comfort food, it's like ribs, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, collard greens, like that Southern comfort stuff, even though I'm Canadian. But my unpopular opinion, I think, is that I cannot stand ketchup. I hate ketchup. Don't bring it at me. It feels like it's just pasty, mushy blood. It's disgusting. Give me some barbecue sauce any day, but ketchup? Are we five? Grow up. Grow up, everyone. <laughs> not wow. even with, like, some French fries, because he, the thing is, like, I'm a condiment Absolutely queen. not. Okay, so no ketchup. You said barbecue sauce. How do we feel about ranch? Yes. Because you guys, I feel like you know, like, oh. I would bathe <gasps> in, a, in, like, a tub of ranch. <gasps> no, absolutely not. Chelsea, come on. Uh, no, no, I will not. No, and you hear that silence? Slander. That silence is no one else wanted to say nothing because you're their boss. <laughs> no, the silence is I don't understand the slander right now. That's Thank the silence. You. I'm They're trying to make you. it make sense. <laughs> okay, this is a universal opinion, no matter your employment level, okay? <laughs> Ranch is literally the best thing ever invented. I said I was going to go last, but I'm not. Here I go, because you, you, you really spoke wild here. I'm I, like I I am aghast. I am so upset. Like this like maybe the end of our friendship because ranch is literally life. Like I pizza, burgers, 
fries. Ranch on pizza? I don't know about pizza, Chelsea. No. Oh, my God. You guys? Now you're wiling out. Oh, my gosh. Pizza with ranch and some red chili flakes or some chili oil if we're getting fancy with it. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Think about it. Like a little bread, cheese, a little meat if you're into that. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) I mean, you know what? I support you. It's not my ministry, but I support you. Uh, okay, so clearly already we're confused about taste in this episode, so <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get spicy. All right, okay, fine. Anyways, Anae, how about you? What's something you're gonna yeah. order every time? <laughs> I just want to say I don't get either opinion here. Ketchup is fire. Ranch is horrid. And so Ah. I feel like it's a little bit weird over here. So that's why I was just looking confusion, but I love everyone here and I'm not going to yuck your yum. That's not my job to do that. Wait, but what about like ranch and like buffalo wings? No, no, no. (sighs) Agreed. Agreed. Anae, introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, okay, sorry. (laughs) It's the the truth teller, Anae Komenibo, culture critic. I'm here to tell the truth. And um, tell y'all what it is. When it comes to something that I'm always going to eat, my mom's going to be horrified by this, but I'm always going to eat a cheeseburger with some fries. Anywhere that I go, I'm always going to be like, yeah, let me get a burger. Let me get some fries. Always. Because growing up, my mom is the mom who's like, there's rice at home. There's food at home kind of mom. So we would drive past the place and it would be like, man, I want a burger. My mom's like, no, we have jollof rice at home. We have meat pie at home. We have soup at home. And so now I'm grown. I have burger money. I have French fry money. I'm going to stop and I'm going to get me something delicious to eat every single time. And you can't really mess up a burger unless you put ranch on it. Ah, sorry, hot take. Ah, and you can't really (laughs) mess up fries, but a good shoestring fry, a good like zesty fry. I love it. But some unpopular opinions. I don't eat outside eggs. I cook them. My mom cooks some people in my family. I don't order eggs outside. And I also am going to eat a bowl of cereal every time of the night. So it's between a burger and fries and a bowl of cereal, I think. Yes. Okay. I can get behind a, a bowl of cereal. Do you eat cereal with bananas in it? No. Oh, oh, sorry. Bananas are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? Okay. Sorry. I like bananas. I like bananas. That's a we're going too far here. Sorry. Wait, Steph, do you eat cereal with bananas? Okay, first of all, just so everyone knows who's speaking right now, this is Stephanie Long. I'm the deputy director of Enterprise for Unbothered. (laughs) Um, I'm going to co-sign with the cereal. Cereal with bananas, amazing. Cereal with strawberries, amazing. Like, you can literally put anything on cereal, and it's great. I don't understand what bananas did to you in AA, but I'm just saying. They're just not good. Not even with, like, the contrast of, like, a strawberry, the tart with the sweet. No. You know? Have you ever put a a banana in a smoothie? It becomes a banana. No, no, it becomes a banana smoothie. That I agree with. That I agree with. It's not a smoothie without banana. Thank you. Yeah, because the whole thing tastes like, it tastes like banana. I agree. Banana overtakes everything. It's an emulsifying agent. It binds all the ingredients together and it gives Mangoes are there. No, mangoes are there. Yes. (laughs) Mangoes are right there. The Africans are sticking together. Yes, yes. Me me and Kathleen will fight, but we agree on this. I hear what she's saying. We see each other. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Y'all earth signs are weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm also thinking about candy. 
Um, this may be unpopular, but I don't care. I will eat candy corn any time of the year. I think I'm like in holiday mode right now because, you know, at the time this episode, Halloween's just passed. Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. We're talking about like the candy wars. Candy corn is great. I don't understand the slander. I don't understand the hate. To me, it just tastes like caramel. It's pretty. The yeah. colors are really vibrant. I feel happy eating it. Like, I don't know. Y'all tripping. Candy corn. I agree with that. As a Canadian, I've only had candy corn once in my life because we don't really have it up here. But it was it was decent. I don't you know what? I don't really get why we even really talk about it that much. Like it's just not that special. Like I, it was like, OK, it's fine. Why is it such a heavy debate? The candy corn thing. Like explain that to me. What do Canadians have? Well, well, not to be rude. Sorry. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> because it's it's not a random thing. Like what do y'all eat on Halloween? Like every other candy you can imagine. I don't know. Just not candy corn. Uh, there. What is what's the ca- the candy that is only Canadian that you guys don't have? I don't know. Do you guys know what cherry blasters are? No. Mm-hmm. Sounds oh, great, they're amazing. Though. It's like a sour candy gummy situation. Like a warhead. Mm. I don't know what that is. <gasps> America, we won. They don't have warheads in Canada. <laughs> wow. You, but you know what's they don't have in America or maybe even Canada too that is just like the best candy or like dessert? Tim Tams in Australia. You Do know? I like Tim Tams? What are those? They're are they so, cookies or candy? Yeah, they're like cookies. They're but they're like cookies, like shortbread maybe, like wrapped in like milk yeah, chocolate. Chocolate. They're, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really, really good. Yeah. That sounds wow. comforting. Yeah, no, they're great. And you, like, dip them in, like, a hot chocolate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, like, mm-hmm. holiday. Yeah, yeah, It's really, really good. They're great. But you know what you guys have, Kathleen? Or maybe you don't. What? Maybe that's just, well. Healthcare. that too because when we eat all this candy we're gonna need it okay so whether you know we're talking about ranch or the like candy corn industrial complex like what we're talking about right now is just recipes that we love or hate because we don't have taste or the ones that maybe like we want to rediscover and I feel like this episode I want to talk a little bit about the recipes that we love or feel like we've lost or would like to rediscover and I'm using food as a vehicle and a metaphor for this. So go with me. But I'm not just talking about the things that we eat, right? I'm talking about the things that we enjoy, the things that we consume as a community, things that we sign off on, and the things that maybe we need to talk a little bit more about. When we talk about sort of lost recipes, quote unquote, I'm talking about things like understanding the history of Black farmers or understanding why it seems like a lot of Black people don't know how to swim, theoretically, as a stereotype, right? Or I was listening, honestly, I was watching this TikTok, you guys know I'm on the TikTok, that recently was talking about this chef who is like, I'm a fan of slave chefs. And everyone stopped. It was like a record scratch on the TikTok and on the podcast, which I ended up listening to. And he was like, let me explain what I mean. He said, Martha Washington of George and Martha Washington, first president, has been credited for creating hundreds of recipes, okay? Her chef, who was a Black man named Hercules, who was a slave, was only credited for five. But let's be honest, Martha, you were not cooking in the kitchen. These recipes were very clearly from Hercules that you took credit for. These recipes, things that we call American food, mac and cheese, collard greens, come from slave recipes, right? When we even think about international foods, you know, French food, 
is peasant food, right? What are those recipes that we've actually created and maybe have lost or have not gotten the credit for? And so I wanted to sort of get into that concept, using food as a conduit. And Ine, I want to start with you because this conversation was actually something that you brought up. Um, you know, in one of our like team meetings a, a few months ago. Uh, and I feel like it was something that really struck me when we talk about this concept of lost recipes for our community. Yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about as a community and as a diaspora, how we can like bridge those gaps and have conversations that are necessary. One thing that immediately came to mind was the the lost recipe of like community care. So I too am on TikTok um, and I saw a TikToker creator, I think his name is like Dre Brown or something like that. And he had a viral TikTok talking about how if it is your birthday and you invite people to a birthday dinner, you as the birthday celebrant should be the person paying for everyone's dinner. And if you cannot afford to pay for everyone's dinner, you should not have a birthday party. And to me, I saw that my birthday was a couple was, you know, just a, a little bit ago. And I certainly did not pay for anything because I'm a baby girl and I don't have to do that. But it made me think like okay. you are a 30 year old now, for the record. So what? <laughs> So what? Kathleen, don't, don't. be the one to call out someone's that, age. And, and that's why I said she talking and I don't know why. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, I'm period. What just happens? Like I said, I'm going to let, let it go because I don't know what she's trying to say. But, you know, I, a lot of people are like, yeah, I agree with him. If you're broke, you can't have a birthday party, blah, blah, blah. And other people were like, no, no, on my birthday, I'm not going to pay for other people's stuff. People are celebrating me. And so the conversation was just going back and forth. And I was thinking about how like individualistic we tend to be. As a country, as people right now, we're seeing so much individualism, so much emphasis on what am I going to do? I'm doing me. I'm taking care of me, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that's not necessarily the way that we were raised. That's not the way that our ancestors built community. That's not how they survived all the horrors of anti-Blackness and racism over decades and centuries, regardless of what country they came from. And so it's just like, it's disappointing because I understand why life is hard. So you got to take care of yourself. But at the same time, we have to take care of each other. And I just wish that we could get back to that community care and that level of like being invested in the other people's lives. Yeah, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Like as soon as Chelsea posed this question, I was just thinking about like community and creating safe spaces and supportive spaces with and for one another, right? Like I think about all the elderly Black women in my community growing up who looked after me. Shout out to Mrs. Owens. <laughs> she used to look, out, look after me when I was a little girl. She was really like... She was really like another grandmother to me. And I, I feel like a lot of my warmest childhood memories are connected to her. And, you know, I just feel the community energy feels like really different amongst our generation right now, right? Yeah. Like if I had a child right now, I don't know that I would feel comfortable leaving them with just anyone. And another thing that I thought about when you asked this question, Chelsea, is self-care and wellness. Like I think about everything from food to medicine to like exercise and movement and all the things that our ancestors were doing long ago that were taken from us and commodified and then sold back to us. You know, it seems like we're having trouble trying to connect to it now. And I think a huge reason for that is lack of accessibility and people not being able to afford to be well in the way that capitalism sells wellness to us or feeling like because of how these things are marketed or who they're marketed toward. It doesn't feel like it's for people who look like us. So this then leads to 
the disparities that we face in healthcare as Black people, which sucks because we really need accessible wellness resources right now in this climate that we're moving through. And I think one of the ways that we can begin creating that accessibility for ourselves is by leaning on our community as a form of self-care and reclaiming these rituals and routines for ourselves together. Uh, yes. So, uh, life coach, Steph, just check it, checking in. <laughs> but I think as you, you guys are talking about this, and I was thinking a little bit deeper, I also think... Because, Anae, uh, I was talking about this earlier, actually. The guy who sent out that tweet and did that video got so much backlash for that. Yeah. That he, was actually, he was actually fired from his job for sending Ooh. that video out, saying that birthday people should pay for the group, which to me is wild. Like, I understand when, you know, the community comes together and we say this is not okay, this is not appropriate, and there are real reasons to do that, right? Because people are out here talking crazy and being incredibly bigoted and judgmental, and those people should see the consequences of their actions. But I think right now, I'm having trouble with that because it's gotten to a level where if the community says this is not okay, then you are therefore not a part of this community anymore. You don't get to have a job. You don't get to share your opinion. You don't get to be a part of this community anymore because you're not acting or speaking the way that we agree with to a certain extent, of course, obviously. I do not mean when it comes to any of the isms that that is appropriate or okay. Fire all those people. But when we talk about community, I think one of the things that I buck up against is this idea that at this point, we're picking apart what that community means and who gets to be a part of it and who gets to be within that circle and who doesn't. Yeah. And I think I think that's kind of where this recipe of community has gotten lost. You know, I think that for, and this isn't the actual definition of what I think community should mean, but I think that for a long time, this idea of community started to subscribe to like a horde mentality. It can become this like toxic, rigid definition that is more about imposing rules or imposing uh, we all have to think the same way on people instead of just letting them be themselves and letting them be individuals because we are all different and we are going to have different opinions. The beginning of this chat, we were all just fighting about the different foods we like. We're all still going to kick it. We're all still colleagues who love and respect each other, you know? But yeah, I think that that may be why we're moving to a more like individualistic society or just people being like, all right, I'm just going to do me because in order to be a part of this quote unquote community, I have to do X or be like Y. For example, let's talk about the LGBTQ plus community. Or if you don't want to get married or you don't want to have kids, like certain things, if you're not subscribing to a very rigid idea of what you're supposed to be, especially in like black Christian communities, quote unquote communities, you feel exiled. You feel like you're not welcome. And so I think that people have kind of pushed back against that. And because community was replaced with expectations that tell mm. you to follow what everyone else is doing, 
instead of that care that Anae talked about and the wellness that Steph was talking about. I think that's where the pushback has come from, that community in its purest form should involve acceptance as opposed to expectation. Ooh, yes, yes. And I think that's why, as you guys know, I keep saying 2022 is an insufferable year to be on the internet. There doesn't allow for that level of nuance. Obviously, still visit at R29 Unbothered at your leisure all the time on the internet. But I think when it comes to opinions or when it comes to conversation, that is a recipe that I think we've lost. We've lost the art of conversation. (laughs) We've lost, like, whatever happened to, hello, how are you? Whatever happened to customer service? She (laughs) bites her style, you know? Like, whatever happened to that? I feel like there is this swing now to, I don't have to deal with anyone who doesn't agree with me ever. And if they don't agree with me, then they're wrong. And they are not someone who I want in my life. They're not someone who I ever have to listen to. And I feel like when I say conversation, I mean learning. There is a lost recipe of learning. It's not cool to say, I don't know anymore. Or to say, let's talk about it. I may not agree with you, but I can agree with a well reasoned opinion within reason. Yeah. Like we take conversations and bring in the nuance, bring in the learning, like just a random example off the top of my head, the woman King. I love that movie so much. And and I both love that movie. I've learned a lot of new things in the critiques that are coming from that movie. And I think I can love it and think it's a great piece of art. And also engage with that criticism and be like, points were made. They could have done a better job at this. They could have done a better job at that and learn something new about culture and about African history. That's okay. Those two things can exist at the same time. And I think, again, talking about recipes getting lost, like I think that that, the art of that is getting lost right now on the internet. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases right now is yes and. Like, yes, point A is true. And this is also true, like being able to hold two truths at the same time and not having to make it this end all be all. And I I think this goes back to the idea of community care, right? Like some of the best comment sections that I've been in on the internet have been places where people have differences in opinions. And they may start off like really heated, but as you watch the trajectory of the conversation, you then see how they begin to like open up to one another and educate one another through their differing perspectives. And I feel like I don't see this happen often, but whenever I do, I wish it were happening more. It's like in the context of community building, the question that I'm always thinking about in my own interpersonal interactions is, How can we co-create safe containers for growth with and alongside one another, especially when we disagree? Okay, so Steph, I think that's a a really great point. And when you talk about sort of like the safe containers that we need to create for ourselves and for each other, I feel like that goes back to your point about community care, right? And making sure that we're building the environment where people feel safe to share their opinions and not feel like they're going to be punished for them if they differ, (laughs) And if we differ. And I think, again, we've mentioned sort of TikTok and social, and that's where a lot of this happens. I'm not saying it's only social, but it's social. And I think one of the things that 
you know, a TikTok that I recently saw too was just this um, young woman, this young black woman who is talking about moving to a new city. She um, just got married. She's young, sort of exploring the city, exploring her space, exploring her apartment, getting it all together. And she was just genuinely sharing (laughs) to share her life. And the and all the comments were talking about her terrible, terrible wig. And it was, you know, it was a nini blonde wig, which, you know, go off, do you. But that was all anyone was talking about when she was trying to share the way that she nurtured herself, the way that she felt moving into a new city, the way that she felt with a new husband. And she was trying to share that with us. Our takeaway for a lot of people was your wig's terrible. So I think that's what makes it tough to feel like you can safely share things when the response that you get is so apathetic and the response that you get is so mean sometimes, a lot of times. I mean, I'm not going to hold you. I too saw the video on TikTok and I'm going to say the wig was bad, but that's not the point, right? What I... I'm connecting with and what is it's bringing up for me is that there is a right way to talk about the wig being bad, right? Or to let her know that something is amiss. And this is, I mean, the wig is an example. It's not about the wig, but mm-hmm. if someone online is doing something that is wrong or saying something that is wrong, I feel like part of this conversation about community and care and nuance is knowing how to call someone in, right? There were a lot of comments of like, sis, the wig is bad. It's giving synthetic. It's giving straw. It's giving whatever. And then there were other people like, sis, DM me. I'm going to figure out how to make you look like a Targaryen. Like people were literally like, I can help you salvage this wig. There is a right way to do it. So people were sharing links. People were sharing tutorials. People are like, buy a wig from me. I know how to make it look right and do whatever. And so it's. It's disheartening because the internet is a nasty, nasty place and you're going to meet people who are nasty just out of no reason because I thought that the wig looked bad too. But my thought was like, dang, that sucks. And I was like, it looks bad, but I'm going to give her a like. I'm going to give her some engagement because it took a lot for her to post this. She's sharing her business. She's posting her husband, her new life and all of this stuff. The purpose of this was not to say, to show her wig being bad, right? The purpose was to just let people in and talk about an experience. And so there's that. And then on the other side, Chelsea, you talked about like, you know, people cancel culture and things like that. I'm going to say on this podcast, I'm the canceler. I do believe that there are some people that I don't want to hear anything from them. I block people all the time. I will delete everything. I don't want to see it. And I don't need to be negative towards that person. I just don't want to engage and I'm not interested. But even for me as a culture critic, I think that there's such a thing as too much discourse, right? overthinking, deeping a thing too much. This girl wearing a blonde wig, that's not good. It's just that. A person who put on a bad wig, that's it. It's not about, oh, you don't want to be black. You're, this is not what luxury looks like. This is, this is, there's too much discourse. There's too much advice. There's too many opinions that you're forcing down other people's throats. And that's why I'm like, if you care about someone, someone does something that you don't like, that you think is bad or unfortunate, you can also do the thing that costs $0 and be quiet. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. also just not say anything. You can also just think, mm, poor her and go about your business. Or you could be shady and share it with your friends and not put it on her. You know what I'm saying? Like do what normal people do and mind your business and keep it to yourself. And as a community, we know the shady aunties and grandmas who are like, you know, bless her heart. That's shady, but they're not necessarily telling you your wig's bad. The food is trash. Your man's a cheater. They're just like, bless your heart. I'm gonna pray for you. You're on the sick and shut in list. Let's go back to that. Bring that back. That's exactly what Tabitha would say, too. A blessed yeah. heart from Tabitha? 
Yeah, and also, like, I just feel like it's just odd to me how entitled people feel to, like, share their opinion of other people's appearances on the internet. I don't know. Like, and it's like without any consideration, right? Like, what if that's the best wig she could afford? Did anybody, like, did anybody think about that? What if she felt great in her wig? Like, why say anything at all? Literally. I don't, you know, I don't understand. No, I know. She got her wig. She had her little Target jumpsuit on and and she was just walking away. Like, she's living her best life. Like, why is that not okay anymore? And I feel like that lack of context, that lack of nuance is hard because sometimes when we talk about community care and we talk about lost recipes, sometimes the call is coming from inside the house. And that makes me really sad because it feels like there is this desire to intentionally break people down because, again, they don't fit your mold of what a Black person should be today, whatever that is. Yeah, I mean, this is just another reminder. If you're a Black person and you're getting on Beyonce's internet to embarrass other Black people, you are an embarrassment. I have to say this. I saw people in the comments, white people laughing about the Black woman's wig and Black and black people were co-signing and putting laughing emojis. What's funny? What's funny, Eleanor? Why are you laughing? <laughs> and why are, why are we as a community not gathering her? By, Miss, Miss, this is not your conversation. We mm-hmm. need to get to the point where we as Black people, I may not agree with people not liking ketchup and people put it drinking ranch like it's water, but I'm not going to let anybody, anybody try to tell Chelsea that she's not nothing because she likes to bathe in ranch. That That's her choice. And I'm going to fight for that choice because it's it's her, my Black sister's business. Yes, yes we, we love do. you. We love you. And I think that conversation about what's public facing and then what's like an internal kind of community conversation is something that we talk about a lot in my Toronto community of like black Canadians, because there's still so few of us in media and in television spaces. And so, yeah, we talk about this a lot where, you know, there's some people who I do not mess with in private, but in public, we're cool. Mm. We're cool because we're still very protective of this small space that we're in. And we're not going to give any of these white Canadians any excuse to say racist things about us and quote us in order to do that, you know, or be in our business. That's not their problem. That's us. So and I think it's because we still have this kind of scarcity mindset because there still is a a small thing that we're building together. And I do think that that has kind of gone away in certain corners of the Internet and in black American spaces specifically. But yeah, I mean, we're fam and we're cool in public. And you talk about them on the group chat. That's how it's exactly. To be. You take it to the group like, chat. Exactly. Li- literally, where is the like the lost art of just being shady in the shade? <laughs> like that's, the whole, <laughs> that's like that's the whole point. We don't have to get so excited and so like geeked up and so obsessed with getting off the best tweet or line so that we're doing that to the detriment of our community. And I feel like it's okay because we can understand all that energy that we're putting into this. You know what we could be putting it into? What recipes we could be putting it into? Wealth building. 
generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Let's share those mm-hmm. secrets the same way we share these shady comments. Like talk about a recipe, uh, something that can build for us. This is all a distraction. Why aren't we tweeting about Roth IRAs? I'm just saying, I don't know anything about them at all, okay? Why aren't we tweeting about getting Black women on more boards? Why aren't we tweeting about what Tabitha and Kalana did to get to their collaborations and how the next creator or fashion designer or interior designer can get there too, okay? That's what I'm wondering because that is what irks me the most. I'm like, the energy that we're spending on this is immense and we could be directing it somewhere that is so much more productive and so much more powerful so that we don't even have to see that other stuff because the distraction is on purpose. We know that. And I feel like sometimes we feed right into it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, the nuance. We The nuance is missing from the recipe. The nuance is the the thing, the, the banana in the smoothie, if you will, that's putting it all together. We just we just drinking fruit juice at this point. It's missing because we're not recognizing the fact that everyone, especially everyone in our community, every black person is walking their own path because they have to. What works for Kathleen, what for, works for Steph, what works for Chelsea, what works for Inaye is not going to be the same as anybody else. Even on this podcast, like we've talked about so many things and we see each other and we agree on many things, but other things we are like, no, I don't, I don't get that. And that's okay. Those two things, one thing I've been working on in therapy is like not being so extreme. It's not always black and white. It's not always this or that. Sometimes it's this and that. This, sometimes that, sometimes it's black, sometimes it's gray, sometimes it's purple, like understanding the different shades of the spectrum. And I think that as a community, specifically as black people, we need to understand that spectrum and understand that there are so many exceptions. There are no rules. A lot of this is made up and people are just trying to make it every single day. And we have to be able to give grace to each other and stop trying to pick sides and stop trying to like subscribe to rules that are made by white people made mm. by white people, white, white straight men, all this culture that doesn't necessarily fit us. And we have to make our own rules so we can make our own world and like live happily, period. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Yes. drop. All right. <laughs> Thank y'all. Okay. I appreciate this conversation. And I appreciate again that we are able to have this nuance and this discourse and talk about hopefully some of the things and the ingredients that we want to add to our shopping list this season, you know, that inspires us and hopefully all y'all listening because- Frankly, like, do you within reason, okay? This is not a carte blanche. So yeah, all right? And eat well, frankly. Okay, well, that ends our very nourishing conversation. But wait, we are not done. You know this by now, okay? We have reached the part of the podcast, which is my favorite, our don't at me. This is the point in the discussion that we use to tie a bow on our conversation, give energy to y'all, and just give you some vibes to move about your day with. And in case the title wasn't clear and you haven't heard me say it 60 times before, you can't add us, okay? Nothing. Nunca. Non. Nine. No. Heart emoji. And I'm going to finish this season up, all right, if y'all will allow me, okay, with a little pre-meal blessing, a little convocation, okay? And I'm going to keep it short and sweet like our favorite ones are because there's nothing worse than the auntie who keeps going when it's time to eat and the food is hot, okay? So y'all, we must preserve our recipes or be prepared to lose them, okay? Let's share them and be filled when someone else loves them. Don't worry about what's on someone else's plate when yours, and trust me when I say this, is prepared to be overflowing. Food doesn't taste better when someone else doesn't have it, and neither does love. 
Let's learn these recipes. Don't assume them. There's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. Can you teach me? There's no shame in not knowing, but there is a danger in not caring. So if they don't, let them stay hungry, feeding on empty air instead of sitting down at the table with them. Rediscover our recipes with the same intent as our ancestors did to nurture, to grow, to comfort, to lead, to love, and remember our recipes with a new purpose for ourselves, to enrich them, to pass them down, to ennoble each other in a way that only we can do. Amen, and let's see. Don't at me. Okay, Pastor Sanders. Welcome back to season five of the Go Off Sis podcast brought to you by Target, our partner this summer as we celebrate Black joy. Today's episode is brought to you by my favorite cousin, Target. Okay, you and me both. Every time I see Target, she's like, hey girl, come on in. And I'm like, all right, all right, say less. Okay, Target sounds cute, but seriously, they're the ones who always got your back and put you on to anything you need to create the best vibe for the kickback. Mm -hmm. They've got everything covered, whether it's accessories for the perfect summer glow up to the self-care items that'll make you shine. Target is truly invested in black joy. Exactly. Okay, so head over to Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to see how Target is making space for us to create our own seats at the table. All right, y'all, we have a very special guest on the show today. She is a breath of fresh air, a beam of joy that continues to fill us up. She is just truly everything. She's added the missing ingredient to vegan eating, flavor and energy. She's keeping the kids entertained with tab time. She is the number one New York Times bestselling author of Feeding the Soul and her new cookbook, Cooking from the Spirit, out now. But no, we're not done because not only is she nourishing our bodies and our minds, but she's got us keeping us cute too, okay? With a beautiful collection of clothes, products, and beyond at Target that literally flew off the shelves, okay? And we'll be continuing to drop accessory items, home and office, food and kitchenware throughout 2023. Okay, please, please give the warmest welcome to author, actress, and phenomenon, Tabitha Brown. Welcome to Go Off Sis, Tabitha. But thank you, girl. I'm going to need you to come on the road with me to do my intro. <laughs> come on. I was I'm there. talking about it. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. We've actually talked about this on the podcast before, where it's just sort of like reading resumes of just like the black woman who we love, like that gives us like the best, most joyful energy of like, just check the credits. They're so long and illustrious, but also you've come at them so honestly and you come Mm. at them so authentically, which is something that I know our audience and, you know, so many millions of folks in your audience have really connected with. So thank you for that, just first and foremost. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I want to sort of go back a little bit. Before you became this household name and before you've been bridging these communities through food and through love, can you tell us a little bit more about that journey from when you were younger to now and how you've been able to build joy into everything when it seemed like it was a a tough road to here? Oh, honey. Well, you know, 
I, as a little girl growing up in Eden, North Carolina, right, very small town, I knew at a very young age I wanted to be in entertainment, right? I, I fell in love with Rudy on the Cosby show. I wanted to be her friend. And I wanted to be the one that came and ring the doorbell the next time and come in and say something. And I would tell my mama that. And so she was like, oh, you want to be friends with Rudy? I was like, no, but only inside of the TV. So that was my way of knowing that I wanted to be on TV, but I didn't know what that was called. And so my mom told me, she said, oh, that means you want to be an actress, right? And so I spent all of my childhood trying to figure out how do I become an actress? And so doing theater at school, I did church plays, community theater, anything I could. Honey, look, the family cookouts, I was performing, I was doing whatever I could to create this actress, right? And then in school, I started to design clothes and make clothes uh, in high school. And that's kind of like a natural thing for me. Me and fashion is like, we always been cool. You look at me when I was five or six, I was cute. I've always been into like dressing up and stuff. But I have always been passionate about acting. And so, but my mama was like, well, you know what? We don't know any actors in our family and we can't really help you get to that. Not that she didn't believe in me. She would push me to do anything that I dreamt of. But she was like, maybe you should go to school for fashion design because you can have that to fall back on. And my great, great aunt, who I talk about in my book, my A-Bet, she was a town seamstress. She made everybody's dresses and clothes. I spent all my summers with her, you know. And so I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And then, you know, I can design stuff and that'll pay for my acting classes or whatever. I don't know, you know. And so I went to school in Miami and I got there in that first semester to study design. And I was just like, this ain't it. All I could think about was acting. All I could think about was I got to figure out how to get this thing inside of me out. And I'll do this later. And I applied to Columbia College in Chicago, got in, got accepted. But then when it was two weeks before it was time for me to go, my financial aid was rejected because I had already had financial aid at the school in Miami. So they couldn't give me another loan. And my parents didn't have no money like that. And so I was like, okay, well, now what am I going to do? You know, and I'm still in Eden. And my mama had a friend and that she didn't really know, but had lived in California and told me I could come and rent a room. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go. I'm going to just go try to pursue my, my dream of acting with no goal other than be famous and be an actress. No plan. Like, just go with the wind tab, right? And, you know, I'm 19 at the time. We're talking about 1998. And I I moved to California. I'm not in Hollywood. I'm not in Los Angeles. I'm down in Orange County on the other side, closer to San Diego, far from my dreams, working two jobs, pretty much being robbed from the lady I was renting a room from. And it just didn't make sense. And my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he came out there. He said, girl, it's crazy. You ain't even doing nothing, you know, in Hollywood. We need to move back to North Carolina so you can save up and we can uh, save up for a year because it's cheaper and then move to L.A. And we did that. We moved back to North Carolina. But that one year plan turned into five years. We had a baby. Uh, So then that was two kids that we had between us because he had already had a baby in high school. We was working jobs. We had a house, cars, all these new responsibilities and a forgotten dream. I had convinced myself that I had all these new responsibilities. But then one morning, and I tell the story often, and I talk about this in my book, it felt like an earthquake hit Greensboro, North Carolina, because we were living in Greensboro. And it felt like my bed just shook me awake. And when I woke up, I heard a voice that sounded like thunder. And the voice said, this is not the life I planned for you. And I was like, Lord Jesus, what, like, is this you speaking to me? 
Because if it is, I need you to show me a sign today. And if it ain't, I'm going to probably need to go to the hospital because the voice was very loud. And I prayed and I asked for a sign. I was like, God, you please show me a sign today. And I, that later that day, I told my husband what happened. And he thought I was crazy, I think. And we were on our way to the mall. And on the radio, Buster Brown was our DJ there. And then Triad, he came on and he was like, hey, I got this new TV show on the WB Network. And I'm holding auditions looking for a female co-host. And I was like, that's my sign. I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina. There was never auditions in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I went to the audition and I booked that job. And then I started dreaming again. And so that was 2001 or 2002, maybe. And after that, um, I started producing my own segments. I was a a co-host. I would interview all the local celebrities. Um, I learned how to like piece it all together. We did sketches. We did all these things that it's so funny that people do now. We was doing that, you know, back then, but we had this small platform. Our late night show came on at like 1230. We only was regional. So you only saw it in like Virginia and North Carolina. And so um, I did that for like a year and I started doing theater again. And, you know, I would drive three hours one way. So six hours round trip to do extra work in Wilmington, North Carolina, just so I could be on the set of a television show. So One Tree Hill was my first show that I ever did extra work on, but I just needed to go so I could be in the environment. I I wanted to see how it all worked. Um, And after doing that for like a a year or so, I told my husband, I said, now it's time for me to move back to California. We got to go. I was like, I've maxed out here. I've done theater. I've done everything. God is pushing me back to LA. And so uh, we moved back. We saved up money. We saved up like $8,000, and which was a lot of money for us. And we moved to L.A. in 2004. Um, and then as soon as we got here, I was like, you know, when you heard the voice of the Lord and you did all this stuff has happened and you start working, you just know when you get here, something is waiting for you. Baby, won't nothing waiting for Taya. Won't nothing <laughs> waiting for me. Nobody. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> me too. I was yeah. like, wow, okay. You, you know who was yeah. waiting for me? Macy's was waiting for me. I had to go Aww. get a job. Okay. <laughs> so, which is okay because, you know, that's, I was just so happy to be in LA. That was the big step for me. That was me stepping out on faith. And um, so I worked at Macy's for my first five years. But when I first got here, as soon as I got here, I got an acting class and I started putting, you know, one foot in front of the other, making my way, my mom got sick and in North Carolina and I had to go back home. So I was back and forth for a couple of years until my mom passed away, helping take care of her. So I pursued acting in Los Angeles ever since 2004. When I got sick in 2016, um, I thought, oh my God, you know, after all these small victories, I was finally like coming up a little bit. And I got sick and I was like, Lord, you didn't brought me this far to leave me right here. I was just getting started good, right? But if you think about the timeline, it's a long time. But I was just getting started good from 04 to 2016. Are we counting that? I was pursuing it. You can go and look at all my old stuff. Um, But after being sick and then getting, uh, you know, becoming vegan and starting videos, that was all obedience because God had told me to do so. But the videos is literally what, what changed my life and saved my life. But I've been pursuing it ever since, uh, really since a child. But 
um, in Los Angeles since 2004. Look, a long story. So sorry. It could be longer, but that's it. <laughs> no, we 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 love that Not because we also yeah. like always talk about how it's like how it started, then it's how it's going. And we never talk about the yeah. in-between. And so that is really important to talk about those years that you were hustling, those years where you were working. And yeah. then now that work, of course, has paid off. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said this to you before we started recording, but 2020 is when I discovered you and your work. And I remember so clearly this video you made about potato wedges. And you were like, <laughs> honey, potato wedges feel like a hug. And I was like, oh, yes, I, I need a hug. <laughs> and, I, and it just was like the most comforting thing I, I I had seen on the internet at that point. And you oh. were like that for so many people. And your content was, was just all over the place during, during the height of the pandemic. And, you know, mm-hmm. people of course were searching for recipes at home and they also wanted something to lift their spirits. And you had this beautiful combination of both. So let's talk about mm-hmm. social media and let's talk about that time that was so hard for so many of us. And you really lifted us through. Mm-hmm. You know, during that time, 2020, I was literally, I had been traveling and touring it, you know, because I went viral the first time in, in 2017 when I was driving Uber, December 30th of 2017 is when I um, first was eating the TTLA sandwich that went viral. That's when I first found success online. So 2018 to 2020, I was like, Booked and busy, honey. I was traveling. I was doing, you know, deals. I was a Whole Foods spokesperson. I was doing great, and I was like, well, "Life is life is good. I'm grateful." I think I had March of 2020. I probably had 500,000 followers on Facebook, and I had 200,000 on Instagram. And I was like, "I am making great money. I'm doing really, really well." And so um, when 2020 hit. My daughter kept telling me, and literally for weeks before the pandemic, she kept saying, Mama, you need to get on TikTok. I was like, Girl, I'm not getting on there with them kids. Girl, they <laughs> on there dancing and stuff. <laughs> what am I going to do on there? She was like, No, listen, you could be like the TikTok mom. You could do your recipes, you could do your motivational words that you give. And I think people will love you. I was like, girl, I don't know about all that. I was like, It looked like a bunch of kids on there. You know, they ain't going to take me serious. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, let, let me get on here and just see. And I went viral pretty much in that first week. And I was like, oh, these kids like, they like me on here, you know? And I was reading the comments and the comments were saying things like, oh my God, I love her voice. It helps with my anxiety. Oh my God, I wish she was my mom. I watch her to go to sleep. I watch her to feel better. Uh, and those things felt like a responsibility. And so I said, oh, I got to show up for these babies, right? Because in my mind, I was still thinking like, it's an audience that's like my daughter and they need somebody right now. Although the audience grew to all ages. But in that moment, I was like, I got to show up every day and give them joy, give them happiness, give them a little laughter. Also let them know it's okay if they need to cry, but also just make them feel like they got a friend because I was understanding that a lot of people were scared. Uh, A lot of people were quarantining alone and I wanted to show up for them. And the pandemic, although it was very scary for a lot of people, it didn't scare me. I had already just come out of my own personal pandemic and I had already, I had already did 
a very dark time. And I had made a promise to God that if he brought me out of that with my sickness, I was always going to choose joy and to spread joy. And so I was like, everywhere we turned, all you saw was the pandemic, people dying, people scared. It was everywhere. And I said, I want to be a place that's anything but that. And that's what I did. (laughs) It worked. It works. And you built this beautiful community online. And it's also not just that you built this community online, which includes a lot of people like me who is not a vegan, but what you're specifically doing in the vegan space is really important because that world is very white, at least like the mainstream Mm -hmm. facing veganism, like the face of it is very white. Right. Absolutely. And it is lacking that soul that you have brought to it. And um, I think it's so important in general, just because also it's one of those things we talk about this on the podcast all the time. We've been doing it like black people have been vegan. It's just that representation is not there. Um, So Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, not seeing that, but then being like, I want to enter this space and creating your own lane and owning Mm -hmm. that that vision of veganism, even if you didn't have, you know, a roadmap. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. When I became vegan, first of all, before I became vegan, when I would hear the word vegan, I always thought, oh, that's for white women who do yoga. Like, Mm, or, right? Mm -hmm. Or that is a cult (laughs) and a bunch of crazy activists. That's what I thought. So when I came into it, I really was like, I didn't really care about how it looked. I just wanted to feel better. It was just about me getting better. And so as I got better, I was like, okay, I got to also be obedient. Because when what happened is when I went, I did a 30-day vegan challenge, right? And so prior to me doing this 30-day vegan challenge, I'd had this, this dream. And my dreams have always, that's my gift. I dream things that come to pass. And, and I hear from God and he speaks to me through my dreams. In this dream, I saw myself on a show. And I was like, how in the world was I on a TV show, right? Because I'm sick at this time. So I had stopped really auditioning. I wasn't doing stand-up anymore. I wasn't doing any of the things that would help me get a TV show. But in this dream, I I was very clear. So when I woke up and I saw like this vision and I prayed, I said, God, reveal that to me. What was this show? How was I on the show? And I heard a voice that said, start doing videos. So that's when I first started doing videos. But my, when I first started doing videos, it wasn't about veganism because I wasn't vegan yet. I was doing like my stand-up stuff. Like I was, I was a sit-down comedian at home, sitting on my bed or on my couch, selling my wife and mama jokes. After I went vegan and decided this is going to be my life, that same voice that I had heard it told me to start doing videos whispered in my ear and said, now tell people what you're eating. And so I was like, okay, but Lord, I don't know. I was very scared. I was like, because I also was just walking into who I am, this tab. I was taking layers off of the old tab. And so I started doing videos telling people, you know what? I'm going vegan. When I find vegan options, I'm going to just share it with y'all, right? And God was so specific with me. He said, listen, you were used to do stand-up because you was trying to get a TV show in Hollywood because it's very like a, a, a pathway. He said, but you was reaching like 30 people a night doing that. When you start doing these videos, you can reach thousands of minutes. But as the months grew and after I went viral and started doing it and all these thousands of people would watch, that would be a big thing. Black people would just be like, 
Girl, we've never seen anybody cook our kind of food and make it vegan. Yeah. That also became my responsibility to continue not to not to force, but to enlighten and share what I'm eating. I've never told anybody you need to go vegan. You need to eat this. I simply say, honey, this is what I eat. This is how I make it. Ooh, honey, this is how it tastes. And so I realized that there was a missing piece and I gladly stepped into that. And then when I would go to festivals because I would tour and I would go to conferences, most times I was the only black woman or a black person. And I still showed up as the staff and let them know we supposed to be in the space too, right? Even from uh, a marketing standpoint, working with brands and corporations, they would ask me, well, how do we get more people like you to want our product? I said, well, you got to not just wait until it's important for Black people to buy your product. You got to always cater to us, even in your marketing, right? If I look, yep. at, if I look at your yep. marketing and I see hands and I don't see no Black hands, I feel like that ain't for me. We have to be seen everywhere, right? Yes, it was missing. But yes, I, I walked into it with purpose and responsibility. And I still do because also my family dynamic. You know, my daddy is, is one of 12. He's the oldest man to ever live in our family. He just turned 71. That's very young. My mama died at 51. Like heart disease and diabetes and blood pressure, all that stuff runs in our, uh, you know, generations because of how we eat. It doesn't run in our blood. It runs in how we eat. And so I had to start being that representation. And, and I do it gladly with love. With, with joy, you know, with humor. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a space that we thought we belonged in, but absolutely we did belong in. Yes, I, I love that, you know, part of this journey was influenced by your family and, you know, the health issues that they were facing. And you said something else earlier about, you know, how your audience was receiving you as kind of like a member of their family. Like, oh, I wish you was my mom. And you really are like a sister and auntie and mom to so many people. And I think the reason why that is, is because you have integrated so much of your family and, and shared them with us um, along your journey, um, you know, from your husband to your children to your dad, your dog, Blackie. Hi, Blackie, because I, I think I heard Blackie yeah. earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear you just, you know, talk a little bit more about that. Why was it important for you um, to involve your family? And then why is it important for you to continue doing so? Well, my family is my foundation. I don't exist without them, right? And I like to share who I am in totality. And so if I do that, if I keep them away, then I'm not really sharing who I am. I'm a believer first, and then I'm a wife, then I'm a mother, right? And I'm a daughter and I'm a sister. So I like to share all of me so that you can see like, oh, that's why she liked it, right? If somebody told me, they were like, girl, you can't never say daddy without smiling. I was like, you're right, because I'm a daddy's girl. But I just thought it was important. When I first started doing videos, I was doing them in my kitchen. In my two houses, I moved twice since then. And you would see Choice would come in, taste whatever I'm cooking. Quest was real small. He could barely see over the counter at that time. And uh, nobody in the beginning ever saw my husband. They would only hear him because he didn't like being in the camera. And so uh, you would hear his voice and he'd be like, why don't people looking in our house? You got them people looking in our kitchen because I'd be live cooking. Then over the years, he got more comfortable 
Uh, and of course, now we do all kinds of things. But I just, you know, I just wanted to share all of me, you know, even like, you know, I have a stepdaughter. I call my bonus daughter. She didn't live with us. She, you know, has lived with us throughout the years off and on. When she was in college, when I first started doing videos and something, when she graduated, she came and moved uh, with us. But she was with us for like a whole year before anybody ever saw her because she doesn't like the camera. She's just now finally kind of getting comfortable because she's in the fitness. She's an athlete, so like, you know, trying to do that. But I still wanted to even show people like, yeah, like this is also I'm I'm a stepmom. Like I have to live this life, too. Right. And it has always been easy, like given those uh relatability. That's really what it is. Because if you just see me, you don't know how you relate to me. But if you see Tab as a mom, she's a wife, she's got a dog, you know, all these different things, you're like, oh, I'm that too. So that's why. Yeah. You know, and another uh, thing that we spoke about in this episode, as Chelsea mentioned, is, you know, lost recipes within our community, whether that's like eating together more or more spirituality or being on social media less. Um what do you think is the last recipe that you would like to see more of in your own home? In my own home? Well, honey, I, I would love in my own home for us to sit down every night at the table together at the same time. <laughs> it just don't be happening no more with the schedules and the different things. Because that's how I grew up. Every night we sat together and we ate dinner. And so uh, that's something I wish that we were able to do uh, more often. Because it's a recipe for gathering. Uh, it's a recipe for conversation. It's a recipe for seeing each other, for understanding each other. And it's also a recipe for good measure, right? When you do that, like that's how you grow together and you understand together. Uh, and and it's a recipe for awareness, right? When you sit in at a table with your child, you can look at them and study how they eat their food to see how they're feeling, right? You can talk about their day and really know what's going on with them. Same with your spouse or your partner. Uh, it's just a, it's an awareness recipe, but it's mm. also a very feel good recipe. Mm. I really like what you said about growing together, because something that we were talking about within this conversation of, you know, lost recipes is like the ability to disagree with one another, right? And have um, conversations that lead to growth for us as a collective. Um, do mm-hmm. you think that there's something within our community that, you know, we have forgotten? I think in our community, we have forgotten our power together, right? Um, We are in a place where it's cool to bash each other. Like, it's something that, that, that hurts me every day when I see there, there are people who wake up with the intent to get back at somebody. They wake up with the intent to try to hurt with their words, what they type, instead of trying to empower each other and to love each other and grow together. It's a human problem, but it's really bad in the Black community. Um, Not saying that we don't uplift each other because there's, there's sisterhoods and brotherhoods and community that absolutely do uplift. But I think that the unfortunate thing is that we see the negative more often than we see the positive. And I wish that we just knew how much power that we have together to bring each other up and to love on each other. Even when we're wrong, how to fix that together, how to communicate together, not 
oh, they wrong. So let me talk junk about them instead of saying, hey, listen, let me talk to you how you could have did that different. Let, let me show you why I'm saying this. Let me help you understand, right? Uh, we could get so much further that way. We, we got to be open to receiving, not just giving, but we got to be open to receiving like criticism from each other. But if we give it with love, then it's better received, right? If we give it to empower, it's better received. So I think that's the recipe that we are lacking in. We need a little bit more seasoning in that department. Mm. Amen. <laughs> it's so it's funny because it's like you were there with us because this is right. almost exactly what we were talking about, which yeah, is like, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, what's she, yeah. she in the room? What was going on? But it, uh, this is like yeah. really a sign and this, like a symbol of how tapped in you are to culture, right? Again, you are mm-hmm. someone who showed up at the right time. I didn't know that you were making videos in 2017. You showed up in the form of a video. I was like bacon. I don't even like bacon. I don't know why I was watching that video. Oh, but the carrot. The carrot bacon. And I watched yeah, it from beginning yes. to end. And I thought like, this is such an interesting concept that showed up at the right time for a person like me who will never, I'm sorry, Tabitha, I have never done that because I'm <laughs> like, I don't even like bacon to begin with. But I liked the the energy of it. And so I kept watching every vegan video. Tab time came on. It wasn't for me, but I was like, I think that I need to be connected to this person somehow. And I think that that speaks mm-hmm. to your authenticity and the the evidence of your purpose. You know, as a spiritual mm-hmm. person, I too, I too am a, you know, believer and a Christ follower. But I think that there's something that when you feel someone like who's tapped in, you can't help but mm-hmm. to kind of follow along with them. I felt like you was dragging mm-hmm. me along on your mission. I was like, I'm not even vegan. I don't want to be there. <laughs> but for you, how do you pick and choose certain things? Like picking to work with Target, picking to mm-hmm. the right time to establish a restaurant and to, or like, here's what recipe I want to do today. What a, What's the process behind that content creation? Because it's very intentional and it comes off as that, mm-hmm. but I'm so curious as to like the behind the scenes aspect of it. Um, it's so different. For me, it, it's always what God has called me to do, right? Um, and a lot of things I'll go back. I have a, a notebook from August of 2017 when me and my husband sat in our backyard of the house we were renting when I had literally no money in my account. I had exhausted all of my savings. Um, and we said, we just want to write down a list of things that we're believing in God for uh, miraculously because there ain't no way these things going to come off this page, you know, and like fashion was always something I wanted to do. And so I, I wrote all these different things down, uh, you know, it, it, it's so crazy. I was looking at it, you know, yesterday, I was like, look at all these things that have come off this list. But sometimes I go back to the list. Sometimes it's funny because they, these opportunities will come to me and I pray about it and God will send me back to the list and say, look, you wrote this down and now it's it's, it's here. It's five years later, but this is the time for it. But I only partner with people that it feels right in my spirit. Uh, with Target, I started partnering with Target uh, years ago as a influencer. I, I never called myself that, but they had an influencer program. And I was just doing organic videos using their products and as a partner. Um, and I remember sending in my first couple of videos for like holiday stuff. And I was thinking, because I've worked with other companies that will want me to edit and do all this stuff. 
And I was like, let's see what they say, because, you know, I ain't going to never be shy about talking about God and my beliefs. Um, and I'm just doing organic content that I love. And I sent it in for the approval and they sent it right back. Approved. We love it. No edit requests. Nothing. They were like, I was like, wait a minute. They, ain't gonna, they don't want me to edit nothing out. And my managers was like, no, girl, they love you exactly how you are. And I was like, they see me. And also head of talent. Her name is Pamela Brown. She's a black woman. And Shout out to Pamela. Pamela. Yes. <laughs> truly, truly, literally the goat. I like love Pamela all day. And is yes. like one of the biggest advocates for being yourself as black and as amazing as you are. So shout out to Pamela. Yes, Absolutely. I, I love her so much. She saw me and she, you know, brought me on and I knew I could trust her. And then I, after that, I knew I could trust the company as a, as a corporation. And so when they were like, after a year of doing organic stuff, they were like, we want to do something bigger with you. It was a no brainer for me because I already knew the trust was there and that they love me just to be this tag. Um, I, I have a very uh, strong rule that if something never, if it, if it for half a second, it don't feel right. I don't do it. It ain't got to be like, oh, I got to think about it. Something don't, no, it don't. Oh, no, I got, let's stop. Right. So, I've had companies that, honey, they be throwing money like, and I'd be like, okay, I don't care nothing about that. It, it don't feel right. I can't do it. Cause I, cause my soul not for sale, right? And my freedom is not for sale. And so I literally have like, no is a superpower. And I just throw a thank you on there for courtesy. <laughs> so wow. I'd be like, mm-hmm. ah! <laughs> No, thank you. I'm all right. You know, but that's how I make my decisions when it comes to partnering with people, when it comes to like writing a book. I knew I wanted to, I had been trying to write a cookbook by myself for a long time because I've been doing these recipes since 2017. And my fans have been like, Tam, we want a cookbook. And I was like, Lord, I ain't never wrote a book before. So I had been compiling recipes, trying to figure it out by myself before the pandemic. Then when the pandemic hit, um, you know, I got signed with an agency and they were like, you ever thought about writing a book? I was like, actually, I was writing a cookbook. I was trying to put it together. And I got a two book deal at the same time that when I got my deal. But I, my spirit in prayer, God said, people don't need your food right now. They need your, their souls fed. So that the stomach can wait. So which is why I came out with feeding the soul. First, I put my cookbook on hold and wrote feeding the soul for people to have during the pandemic. Uh, but that was because. I knew it was needed. And also, like I told y'all before, I had already been through my own personal pandemic. That's what feeding the soul is, how I got over and how I got through that. And so uh, when it comes to like the restaurant, like right now, uh, my restaurant is closed down because a whole problem with the building here in L.A. But I only went into business with uh, Kel My Name because I discovered it in Chicago, fell in love with it. And was like, oh, we need one of these in L.A. And when the owner, uh, Neiman, was like, oh, I was actually coming to L.A. thinking about, you know, opening one. I was like, oh, I'll partner with you. So I funded that with him. But it wasn't my restaurant. It's to kill my name. Right. I was in partnership. But it had to feel right. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I really do everything on feeling. But then I look at the numbers. Donna's recipe is intentional. So I have my own hair care line. Uh, I was losing my hair years ago in the back because of my stenosis in my neck and I would have to sleep flat. So just like a baby, my hair started to thin out in the back. And so I was trying to find products that would 
uh, help my hair grow back and get stronger. And everything had chemicals in it. And I was like, I'm on this vegan journey. And I also want to, you know, care about what I'm putting on my skin, not just in my body. And so I was like, maybe I can create my own. So I started mixing stuff. And then one of my friends uh, came to me and she was like, I got this idea. And she had the same idea in mind. So we partnered together and we created Donna's Recipe. But it's always with intention. It always has to make sense for me, right? I don't do nothing just to be doing it. I don't do nothing just to be doing it. It's got to make sense. Even with my acting, Lena Waits would tell you, she cast me on the shot. And I love Lena. That's my sister. Uh, we were doing the episodes. I had like six episodes. And one of the last episodes, they were trying to maneuver the script and write me in. And I called, I said, well, let me tell you something. You don't put me in no scene just to be putting me in there. I don't need to be on there. Make the show make sense. Don't do it for me. I, I'm, I'm all right. And she talks about that all the time. She was like, because no actor is going to be like, yeah, take me out of the episode. I'm for the cause and I want things to be right. I don't need to do it. God going to take care of Taylor. I don't need extra exposure. I don't need the extra money. I don't need nothing that doesn't serve me. So I only do things that serve me and I only do things that feel right for me. If that answered the question. No, it did. I, one of the, I just feel like there's such a conviction about you, right? That's something that's so mm -hmm. impressive. And that's like someone who knows themselves and has been through things and has figured out who they are and what they want to be and what they want to put out there. I'm so like inspired by a dream, right? I was just, someone asked me that mm -hmm. day, what's your dream? And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm just existing on this earth right now. I haven't figured it out. But like, this is an aside. If you're listening to this podcast, write some stuff down tap at the writes things down and look at how things are happening for her write it down reminder this is also a drag to myself i'm gonna write something down after this yes but <laughs> write the vision and make it plain honey. period period but to pivot because you're such a positive person we've been talking about like literally when you came on the podcast we were like i blushed actually like oh my gosh like there's a joy that's like radiating <laughs> off of you i would like to know if you wouldn't mind sharing what are the ways that you are kind of fostering that sense of joy because right now the ta the pandemic isn't over, but we're kind of, you know, we're outside, we're getting back mm -hmm. to it, but it's still hard. Life is really hard. And as a person yeah. who is so positive and is putting so much positivity into the universe right now, what can people do to tap into that joy for themselves too? Oh, honey. Um, people always ask me that and it's so personal for me. Right. And I always say my, my solution ain't going to be your solution. Yeah. But I make sure I'm all right first, right? I literally start my day with me and end my day with me, mm. even as a wife, even as a mother, even as a businesswoman. It starts and ends with me. What do I need? Girl, tell what do you need? And I have to answer that for myself. And I also have to be honest with myself, right? And there's some days that are tougher than others. But I also allow myself to feel when I don't feel well. When, it's, when joy is not my center in the moment, I have to be honest with myself about it. And I have to allow myself to have that moment but then get back to the joy, right? Um, I, I do things that are, are very simple. You know, I drink my water in the morning. <laughs> it's a, it it sounds crazy. But what water does is it allows you to begin flushing as soon as you get up. So 
beside my bed, I have a big thing of water. At night, I sit it there. In the morning, I drink my water and it gets things moving. It starts to flush your system. So that means whatever I may have been holding on to in my sleep, we're going to get that flowing out of there. Right? That's intention. Um, and I have my moment in the mirror. Girl, you all right? Are you holding on to anything from yesterday? We have a conversation, me and Taya. And and I've talked about this before. I used to whisper to myself because I wasn't comfortable speaking out loud. And I realized that why am I whispering to myself? It's just me in the mirror by myself. But I realized I did that because I didn't know myself that well. And I was intimidated by my reflection. And so I had to get to know Tad better. And the better I got to know me, the louder I began to speak, which is why now, honey, I be talking in third person. You know, I be like, girl, Tad, you crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, now I might be able to get a check because somebody be like, that girl crazy. <laughs> but it's being comfortable being so comfortable, you know yourself so well, is how you can take care of yourself. It's how you can serve yourself better. It's how you know what you need to survive in your day, in your week, in your relationship, in your parenthood, at your job. So those are like my, you know, the things that I do. And I love to laugh. I love spending time with my family. That's always, you know, fills me back up. Uh, and I work so much. The thing that I do that is going to sound crazy is, honey, laying on the couch with my husband and looking at, at TV, honey, binge watching the show, you know, because I don't get to do it often. But that right there is like, oh, I cannot wait. Give me a little glass of red wine. We finna sit on this couch, honey, and look at a little TV. Like, oh, yeah. Those are the things that I that help me stay focused on joy. Mm, I love that. I just am, am overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's it's giving deacon. It's giving yep. therapist. It's giving. There's a <laughs> lot of roles above. that you play. Like it's really. I. I mean. Well, I think that you know this, but I'm gonna say it. You are so special to so many people, mm. and the work that you do is so important in all the different fields that you're in. And it's like hearing you talk about your experience is so moving because it's inspiring. I don't know that I have dreamt anything in a long time. And I spent so much time thinking about myself and like thinking about what I want to do. And I'm like, I don't know what I want. I just am here like literally every single day. So it's like, I'm, I'm getting my feelings. Cause I'm like, man, I need to, I want to have a dream. I want to have a checklist mm-hmm. that I can look back over and be like, yeah, two years ago, I said, I want to do this thing. So I'm gonna do it. Cause tap the Brown told me to do it. Told me to write <laughs> something down. So but it's, but it's also okay not to have a dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's also okay not to know. Mm. Right? It's also okay to go wake up every day and expect the unexpected. Yeah. That, as long as you are open to trying new things, that's where the blessings come from. That's where the dreams begin. When you're open to doing something you've never done before. Because if we do the same routine every day, Nothing new can come of that, right? But if we're open to doing the same routine, but adding in something new, that's what opens the doors. And so it's okay not to know. But the great thing is that you know that you want something, right? We know that we desire more of something. And whatever that something is, is what the prayer should be. God revealed to me what I desire. 
and what I need and also reveal to me how to keep it once it comes. You know, so that's all right. That means that whatever it is, is going to be mighty because it's too much to, to reveal at one time. Lord, please. It's, time. <laughs> it's, it's been a long, it's been a long two, three years. Yeah. Let me not, let me be quiet. Let me not cry on this podcast. Thank Ooh. you so much. Let, let me say this a long two or three years, right? I told you I, I, I went to Miami in 98. I've been, I came to California the first time in 99, right? Well, 98 and went back in 99. I've been pursuing for over 20 years to get to a place Right. So those two or three years are nothing. The, the thing you have to look at, I look at uh, life and career the same way I look at a baby. OK, well, so you you want a, a business or you want a career. It takes nine months to develop a baby inside. All right. Once you give birth to the baby, the baby can do nothing without help. Right. So you two or three years, you're just learning to walk and eat and hold stuff. No other skills other than that. Maybe talk a little bit two or three years old, but you can't do really anything still without help. For me, my career and the time I've been pursuing is about 25. I just now paid off my student loans and got extra money, and I'm out living my life. I'm 25, so that's why I look cute. I'm at my best weight right now. I'm at my, you know what I'm saying? That's 25, right? But at 43. But my career, I built for about 25 years of pursuing it. So she's 25. She can live alone. She don't really need help. She can still ask for help, right? Her credit is good if she pay her bills on time, right? That's how you got to look at 25. But two or three, five is when you start kindergarten. Now you get to go to school. And it's now it's time to learn, right? So that's how you got to look at your, your, your life. Look at your dreams and your, your goals like a child. And right now you may be in the, 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 stage of carrying it. You maybe have not given birth to it yet. And you may have to have somebody, a partner that comes with you and helps you get pregnant. These could be your partners. And then the, the baby may come because of your partnership. Right? So sometimes it's not what you do alone. It's what other people bring to you to help you birth a child. And then it's your job once you get that child to take care of it. Now I'm actually going to cry. So let me be quiet. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that's a really beautiful way of thinking about it. And I guess my career is 13 and she don't want to listen to me. So that's about right. Um, <laughs> you, in team, you in the teen years, son. You can't. Can't tell you nothing. Yeah. You can't tell it nothing. Can't t- nothing. Know everything. Nothing. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, <laughs> that is very accurate. Yeah. And okay, just just one note, because again, this is just like me, Chelsea being selfish, because one other thing super quickly that I just like love about you and you mentioned sort of partners and being prayerful, like what, what was your please for your husband? <laughs> oh, you we're looking prayer. respectfully. Did you, did you get that? We're looking tar- respectfully, Tabitha. <laughs> yeah, respectfully. Did you get that? <laughs> tar- <laughs> like, I'm just wondering, like, where did they sell, you know? <laughs> That was the Lord, honey. <laughs> Respectfully. Because, you know, we grew up together. Okay. <laughs> I, I done known him my whole life, you know. I, we, we were broke together. We had nothing together. And now we have everything together. Right? But, you know, I've known my husband since I was in fifth grade. So, it's a long time. Really. He was my first boyfriend in, in eighth grade. And we broke up and uh, when it was time to go to high school, my sister was like, ooh, girl, there's a lot of boys over there in high school. You don't want no boyfriend. So I was like, hey, listen, my sister says a lot of boys over there in high school, so we got to break up. So he hated me all of high school, honey. He hated Taya, which is how I have, I have a stepdaughter, right? Because he ended up having a baby in high school. And then it was after um, high school, when I was in college in Miami, I woke up and he was the only person I could think about. Called him in the middle of the night. And I was like, I think I'm in love with you. Because I, I just keep thinking about you. And I know it's been years, but I don't know if I sound crazy. Don't call me back. But if I don't sound crazy, call me tomorrow at this phone number. And he called me and, you know, been on ever since. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we love love. So we're yes, just melting over too. here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. That is so beautiful and again like that conviction that you have and the also the ability I think to be vulnerable mm-hmm. right and to to learn and something that we also talked about this episode was willing to learn and willing to say I don't know yeah. but if you feel the same maybe call me back right. you know and if you don't that's and okay I was too young. right you know when like, you're young yeah and I tell, we, we tell our kids all the time we tell the girls listen we got together when we were so young but we did that so you don't have to go live your life the one thing that we had to do that was tough was discover ourselves while in partnership. And that was tough. People who wait until they're like, you know, 30 to get married, I'd be like, honey, very good. Because now you've spent time knowing who you are as an adult because we changed so much and we're still going to change. But we had to literally grow up together in our relationship. Honey, them growing pains was tough. Okay. So I always tell people, honey, get to know you and know all of who you are, know what you love, what you like, what you don't like. So when that partner does come, you won't settle for anything and they'll know how to treat you based on how you treat yourself. Yeah. Come on, just giving us the recipe, okay? <laughs> One thing I know that we do love, Tabitha, is you. Your your energy, again, I think is just so exceptional Mm. and it is so special. And so uh, thank you so much for sharing that energy with us, with our audience. Our producers are like in our chat, like just beaming to like everyone who's had a chance to to be a part of this in some way, shape or form feels your energy. It is so palpable. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. This has been amazing. And I I love it. Keep on going. (laughs) Keep doing great things. This is beautiful. Thank you. We're going to try. We're going to make you proud. I mean, no, y'all ain't trying. You're doing. You're doing it. That's the first step is doing it, child. And y'all doing it already. So whatever you, you know, whatever you do dream, you know, you feel like it's too big. That means it ain't big enough. Dream a little bit bigger and keep on going. Keep on going. So 
Yeah, we can have all of our heart's desires. That's why God places them there. We just got to do the work and be a little bit patient. It'll come. It'll come. So I'm so glad we're recording this because I'm, I'm Tabitha, I'm going to play this back every day. Every <laughs> Honestly, day. Oh, yeah. it will be my affirmation. <laughs> this has been great. This is a perfect ending uh, to my afternoon. Right, Blackie? Shall we end it the way I end my videos? Yes. Oh. All right. Very good. But again, thank y'all for having me. I absolutely love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And until the next time, honey, y'all go on about y'all business and have the most amazing day. But even if you can't have a good one, don't you dare go messing up nobody else's hand. All right, that's it. I'll see y'all next time. <laughs> no, you guys, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh my God. Y'all are amazing. I just love y'all. Where are all of you located? The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Stephanie Long, and Inaye Komanivo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Money world.